the Ghost Goal Podcast. Arsenal's gap at the top of the Premier League has been whittled down to almost nothing after their 3-1 loss to Manchester City at home on Wednesday night helped the champions to jump them into first place for now. Meanwhile, the Champions League returned at the expense of English clubs as Tottenham and Chelsea suffered 1-0 first leg defeats at Milan and Dortmund respectively. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 397. We decided to uh, wake up a little early this morning and do a unconventional uh, morning pod. So uh, sorry if our voice sounds, uh, or my voice sounds a little raw. Javier, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, yeah, I don't know what my morning voice sounds like. You know, it's usually my night voice, but uh, yeah, doing well, feeling good, drinking a little bit of coffee right now. You know, trying to uh, trying to get hyped up for this uh, this pod that I wasn't so looking forward to, but. Uh, it's, uh, it's officially we, a slump, we have to have time to process. Officially, We're officially on a slump. <laughs> We're officially on down form. Well, yeah, I mean, let's just start out there. Uh, it's the biggest result of the week, including last weekend's matches. Uh, like I mentioned in that intro, uh, Manchester City went to Arsenal, uh, won, and in the end, pretty convincingly, 3-1. Uh, they're back above Arsenal at the top of the table for now, though Arsenal have a game in hand uh, still pretty to play. convincingly? Uh, All right, of course, let's, let's Manchester talk about the game, because I don't, I don't It was 3-1, Javier. It was convincingly. Uh Manchester City, they, they while Arsenal still have that game in hand, there is obviously the second game between Manchester City and Arsenal left in the league, and that game will be at the Etihad. So this was Arsenal's big banker. They needed to at least draw this game. Instead, they walk out with a 3-1 loss, their first loss at home this season. They're on a, a three-game streak of no wins in, in the league, uh, including two losses, one at Everton and now this one to City, and then a... Uh, a draw over the weekend against Brentford, which, you know, th- there's a lot of controversy surrounding because the, the referees completely fucked up VAR like they did around uh, many games in the league last weekend. Javier, what makes you disagree that uh, it was convincing? You know, 3-1, well, well, City turned because, it on at the uh, end. What's what's not convincing when's, about when's that? When was the last time you've seen a Manchester City team by Pep Guardiola have 34% possession? 78% passing accuracy. The team completed 300 passes. I mean, it, it, if you ever, if you, this, that's the, by the way, the lowest percent possession that a Pep Guardiola team has ever had in his entire career. If you go, if, I don't know if like this was because Pep changed the game plan, you know, uh, he kind of, they got destroyed in the first half. I mean, the first half was pretty much all one way traffic and, City got a goal completely against the run of play from that back pass from Tomiyasu. It still felt like we were going to get a goal and come come clawing back into the game, and, and we did, and we were kind of on top of City for a while there um, going into that second half, but Guardiola made some big adjustments into the second half, mainly moving three into midfield, you know, not doing his experiment as he, as he called it in that first half, and... Uh, you know, City became a lot more dangerous on the counterattack, but I have a couple of positives to take, Alex. You know, I, we missed our chances. City were more clinical than us. They deserved to win. They were better than us on the day. 
because I think we, we both had about a similar amount of chances. I would say um, City were just like the De Bruyne chance from Tomiyasu. It was a ridiculous finish. That was beautiful. You know, I know it wasn't. I think a lot of players might miss that chance um, is, is all I'm saying. Hollands, same thing. That was unbelievable. As awkward as that like finish looked, he made it look so easy and it's not easy at all to like, you know, flick it up with one foot, control it with one foot and volley it with the other all in one motion is, is just incredible. And that's what Erling Holland does best. Um, you know, that's what he, he was not ineffective the entire game, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't touching the ball all the time or doing that, that many things, but just his threat, man, you know, he was going at Saliba the whole game. I thought Saliba dealt with him better than he dealt with even Tony. Um, but, it was still, uh, especially in the second half, it, was, it started being a struggle. And we missed Thomas Partey in that. You know, we missed his defensive work output. Um, but at the same token, you're going to like this, Alex. I thought Jorginho was our best player. I thought uh, I thought Jorginho was excellent in build-up. Um, he's the reason why we just had 66% possession against Manchester City because... Every time that we were trying that Manchester City tried to press us, we just gave Jorginho the ball and he distributed it, you know, somewhere else and kept the ball moving constantly. He had some good through balls, um, especially that one to uh, I think it was in Ketia in the first half. Ketia was through on goal. Um, he had it was two v one actually. It was him, Ruben Diaz, and Martinelli. And uh, instead of laying it off for Martinelli for a tap in, he goes for goal and Diaz blocks it and just. Should have been a goal. Should have been up one nil already at that point. Jorginho, it would have been, you know, Jorginho's play. But I'm glad that we now have a cover for, you know, when Thomas Partey doesn't play. We might miss his defensive work output. You know, Jorginho, even though Jorginho was making some decent tackles and interceptions, um, we didn't so much miss Partey's uh, passing because Jorginho in this game, I guess he knew he was, I don't know if he knew he was going to start, but he seems to, you know, have acclimatized a little bit better, uh, you know, the second week into the Arsenal team. Um, And it's a positive for me because, you know, it feels like if Partey goes down for a couple of weeks, you know, we're not, it's not going to be the end of the world now. You know, it used to be the drop in quality was, was tremendous, but now we can play a team like Manchester City, and uh, I think we both yeah, lose three one. We both had one. We both had one point <laughs> seven five expected goals, though, Alex. Exactly the same expected goals. We had more possession than them. It was an even game. They took our chance. They took their chances. That's all. It wasn't like a convinc- convincing win. I mean, convincing what that they scored the their third goal in the eighty third minute. We missed a bunch of chances. Like, how's that convincing? Thing. Three one is, is just you, you're saying you're making a lot of points that I remember making. You know when Chelsea had Jorginho in the team under multiple managers in the past, under Sarri, under Lampard, we would we would do very well against Manchester City. Uh, you know over the course of the ninety minutes, but we'd still end up losing games like three one or three nil all the time to them. We'd have more possession than them. We, we would look good in build-up and be able to break their press pretty consistently. But if you're the one making mistakes like Tomiyasu did for the first goal, th- then you're, you're setting yourself off or you're setting a precedent for the rest of the game that, uh, that sort of like lends into Manchester City's predatory tendencies. Once they smell fear and they smell a mistake that, that has happened, th- your team is you know a little bit more anxious on the ball. 
and not as confident uh, with their finishing. And Manchester City just think, all right, well, these these lot are here for the taking. And, you know, they've, they've done it for many years to a team like Liverpool when Liverpool have performed very, very well in other games in the league. And then it's come down to these head-to-head matchups. And usually Liverpool have been able to manage, like, a draw against Manchester City or, or two draws against Manchester City in the two league games. And it hasn't, it hasn't mattered. Like it's, you've shown, it's been shown over the last couple of years, pretty much since Pep's uh, been there, that you, you need to, to beat, beat this Manchester Absolutely. City team at Absolutely. least once. Well, in terms like, of the title, Alex, I mean, Premier I told you, I told you what were my conditions, right? I was like, we got to beat Newcastle. We have to beat Manchester City and we have to win Tottenham away. We beat Tottenham away. We haven't beaten Newcastle yet. We still have to go to St. James's Park at the end of the season. And now... I mean, I'm not going to believe even if we somehow, you know, go on a good run here, go, you know, uh, a few points clear again at the top of the table. I'm not going to believe it now till we beat Manchester City or at least, you know, not lose to them at the Etihad because uh, that condition still hasn't been met. And uh, I mean, I think if 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 this is going to be a big psychological blow in terms of, you know, we had that gap the whole season, we've been top the entire time. I don't know if, like, quote-unquote pressure's lifted now. I don't think it is. I think pressure's still on. It's, it's not. It's not. There's even right. more pressure. So. Because, I mean, assuming you win that game in hand, you have the three-point gap back. But then, you know, there's still the question of that game at the Etihad. So, uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's completely over and, you know, Arsenal have no chance. Of course you have a chance. Manchester City have slipped up plenty of times, you know, even recently. So you still can't rule out Manchester yeah, City they, they losing lost or drawing to, uh, a game lost to somewhere Brentford. else. They drew Everton. So they also dropped points against the same. I don't, I don't think they lost. Did they, they lose lost to Brentford? Brentford? At the Etihad recently. Two weeks ago, yes. Yes. They lost to Brentford at the Etihad. Well, no, I don't think... Was that yes. that recently? three weeks ago, yeah. The, I thought that was the first half. They, they lost to Tottenham at, uh, at, uh, the, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and they have some some other draws like around that, but the, I thought the Brentford game was like the first half oh, of the Oh, you're season. right. You're right. It wasn't a couple weeks ago. It was the, the game right before the World Cup. They lost 2-1. Tony Brace in the last 80 minutes, like in the last, in the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, but yeah, uh, the the city, like you said, city have been slipping up before. Um, you know, they still got some some pretty hard matchups as well for the season. So, you know, not all hopes lost, but I don't I don't think I'm going to believe it now till you know May comes around and uh, we we put some big results against you know because the, the the same run of games that we've just been dropping points in, we have it again. You know, later on in the season, we play Everton. I think we play Everton right now again, but we play uh, Manchester City again. We play Newcastle. We play away Newcastle and away Manchester City. So the, the, uh, those two games, like right now, there's a loss loss in, in my mind. So, you know, are we can we still win the title if we lose those two games and drop drop points in a couple of other games on the way? I don't think so. I think I think it would be. And when is Gabriel Jesus supposed I think to be we'll back? Just be short. Uh, I mean, Jesus. So he started running last week. Um, he's been playing with the ball by himself this week. Um, usually means about three weeks out before the players in full training, and then what? Maybe another week after that before they're able to actually start playing games. So I would say mid March. There's a probably a conservative okay, well, the, estimate. The potential return on 
premierinjuries.com, the injury table that they have there. That's what I usually use to take a look at all these injuries in one place. Uh, the potential return date they have is April 3rd. So we'll see. I mean, the, the, those those have been wrong before. They uh, generally just try to yeah, use so I said the, he'll the be in the squad. He'll be in the managers. squad in mid-March, probably come off the bench a couple times, and then I, I assume by April he'll be starting again. All right. Well, yeah, that's uh, one to keep an eye on because uh, Eddie Nketiah missed uh, a handful of chances that uh, he, he should have converted a couple of those at least. Uh, but, you know, still has been doing well overall for Arsenal uh, in Jesus's absence. Uh, but let's move on to some of these uh, Champions League games and sprinkle in a little bit of the Premier League results in as well. Fuck it. Let's go to Chelsea. Um, I keep trying to put it off, but... Uh... <laughs> I can't really do it anymore. Uh, Chelsea followed up a one-one draw at also, West Ham also, over I just the weekend. Say, I just want to say, Alex, what? if the the goal that sh- incorrectly should have been chalked off for a super clear offside in the Brentford uh, Arsenal game, if we win that Brentford game, right? No one's fucking saying anything. No one's saying Arsenal are collapsing. No one's saying that this is a bad run of form. It would have been a, a freak. Uh, it would they, have been a weird loss to Everton. Followed up with a loss to City. It would have been a weird loss to Everton. Would be, City beat, would be two points We would have behind. beat Brentford, and we'd still be at the top of the table, and there wouldn't be all this like ah, Arsenal collapsing, Arsenal are choking because eh, we're kind of not, and it's bullshit. So that game really. That, I mean, game, that game was very we had, sad. We had the time to talk about yes, Arsenal. Yes, we had this the time isn't about Arsenal, about Arsenal now, Alex. I'm turning, turning about the, the refereeing decisions, because it didn't just happen to Arsenal this season. It didn't just happen to Arsenal this week. Yeah, it also happened to Chelsea, Alex. to all of us. I mean, what, what, what was yeah. that? You want to talk about your game? I mean, I thought uh, thought that nice, that, that early Felix goal, when I saw it, I said, oh my God, Chelsea are going to pop off right now. They're, they're, they're doing all this interchange and... Joe Felix looks amazing. Chelsea are going to win this game 3-0. And then I I went to bed because I didn't want to watch that. And then I come back and <laughs> it's 1-1. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And I mean, apparently from what I read, West Ham were were pushing at the end of the game to, to get the winner. Um, Chelsea did have that penalty call, though, at the end of the game, which was the clearest. Well, should, should have had, have had a penalty, had yes. But the Suchek save... Uh, was an excellent save from Thomas Suchek. Just got down really low, put his you know spread his body out, put his hand out, and uh, made the save. But uh, yeah, Alex. Yeah, and while the PGMOL gave out official apologies to you guys and to Brighton because Not they, you guys. I mean, it was horrific what happened. That they they incorrectly drew the lines for offside with VAR in both games. And then for the Chelsea game, they didn't issue an apology because, you know, they like to stick up for their uh, their referee buddies. And, and the worrying thing about that, like, non-penalty call in the Chelsea-West Ham game was that uh, Neil Swarbrick, the, the head of VAR, he oversees all of VAR, he was assigned to to be doing VAR during that, that Chelsea-West Ham game. And, and he's the one who saw Suchek save that ball with his left hand and thought... No, nothing there. No, referee was right. Yeah, let's just move on. Yeah, one one draw. That, that that sounds good. So, yeah. In, in case you you think people are overstating their criticism of VAR, they're not. They're very much in the right. And that was all on Saturday. We didn't have any like crazy calls on Sunday, but Saturday there were three absolutely horrific fuck ups by well, the referees and, it has and to be VAR said, itself. Like, while these are all you know super frustrating for us 
we all would still still rather have VAR, right, Alex? Like, let's make that clear to everybody. Like, we'd still rather have like VAR is still important. It's just these the, these errors. Like, for example, in the World Cup, there was no I don't know how they did VAR there, but it was so well done. You know what I mean? It was quick. It was done effectively. You know, there were sometimes where you know the the referee had to come over to the screen but it, it felt like it was much more effective and there wasn't nearly as much controversy over it um it just feels like the premier league's you know since their their introduction of their version of VAR because the premier league always has to have their way of doing things um it's always had its problems since it's inception. it's the referees to me okay it's the referees yeah. it's it's like they should have a cleaning out. How do I put they, this? Uh, they should sign new fresh talents. Well, there's there's right. no way there would ever be a cleaning out because it's too corrupt and all the referees look out for one in, one another and they want to keep their stranglehold of control on the game. It's uh, it's not a problem that's going to be fixed anytime soon. And honestly, I think I'm not like an expert on, on this, but I think the only way to fix it to a degree that would make people happier would be if you take human error out of the process as much as possible, because evidently it, it can't be left to humans to, to do this. And and the, at the World Cup, there was some sort of AI uh, input on offside decisions. So, you know, even if you felt uh, even if you felt bad about a decision, it was it was something that was put through a computer, an AI generated. And the AI made the decision and confirmed whether it was offside or not and confirmed whether it was a handball or not. So, I mean, people may not like the idea of that, putting it in the hands of the machines. But, I mean, fuck me, man. The, these referees, like the three terrible mistakes in one day. And, you know, it's not like that's happening, like, sparingly at the moment. It happens all the time. And anytime there's a VAR decision, I even mean, if when we you end up losing the title by two points for yourself, then it will have been because of a mistake. Well, yeah. Yes, yes and no. it will. I mean, and that's, that's, that, that goes into a greater conversation of like, you know, but yeah, exactly. that shit happens to every team. But like whatever whatever happens. Exactly. And whatever happens, you know, wh- whoever wins the title will deserve it. But it, it's just it's frustrating because. I think we would have gained a lot of confidence from getting a, a scrappy win, playing badly against Brentford that we wouldn't have deserved, much like we did against Leeds earlier in the season. And it could have catalyzed us for for the City game. It just, you know, it really, I mean, just think, think about how like salty and how annoyed all the players and, you know, the coaches must be because we should have had a win there. You know, it's two points dropped that we shouldn't have dropped. Um, yes, but also, Javier, on the balance of play, Brentford probably should have won that game like two or three one against you guys. They missed like three excellent sure, chances. Sure, that absolutely. They and, they, and they had so uh, if you want to play that game. We and can play they had the a goal way. in the first half that probably shouldn't have been chalked off. So, you know, one one was probably a fair result. But I'm just saying these decisions shouldn't, you know, shouldn't result in like human error shouldn't be the reason why someone wins or loses the Premier League, you know? I get it. If I get it, if it was uh, well, <laughs> well, human error is the reason why people lose the Premier League all the time. There are humans playing in the games, and I they mean, make errors. I mean, so I, mean, I, I, I don't know about that statement. Alex, all right. Human error by by the referees. Third party human error. How about that? How about that? how about this? Let's round the discussion off by saying there has been human error in refereeing for as long as there's been football. The point of VAR was to try and limit that as much as possible, and now it just seems more blatant, you know? And it, it seems like 
like how do they fuck this up levels of fuck ups you know so uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that i hate talking about var that much all right well let's um, talk about the other chelsea game this week alex because uh i'm not gonna lie i watched uh i was watching the psg Bayern game and the arsenal city game so i didn't give a shit about your game but uh if not i would have been watching your game but i went back and i watched the highlights of it and oh my god chelsea had it looked like 10 to 15 shots in the box uh, they hit the woodwork three times, two, three times. Uh, Felix, you know, I, I mean, what happened, Alex? I mean, you guys looked really good out there. I, I think Modric, well, Modric, in the is, end, we lost one nil at yeah, Dortmund. Modric is is very raw. He's still a very very raw player. I mean, Chow Felix seems like a much much more finished product. I thought Ziyech was pretty good. I mean, I think you guys played really well. Enzo Fernandez, Enzo almost scored that that beautiful curler at the end. There were just so many chances for Chelsea. You really think is there a Wiggles still in the Champions League or no? No, no, okay, no. So Wiggles. that doesn't matter. So I mean, um, probably not the worst result. I mean, you you got to feel you got to feel decent thinking you only lost one nil at Dortmund. You can take them back home. No, it feels awful. It, it feels really awful. Even with Chelsea not being in the best of form and struggling to score goals going into this game, I, I was thinking, you know, given the, the gap in quality between the Premier League and Bundesliga and how well Dortmund have been playing, like they do, they have been on a very good run in the Bundesliga. They haven't lost since the, the restart from the World Cup. Um, and they've beaten some good teams like Leverkusen and Augsburg. Uh, in the last couple of games with, you know, very good defensive record usually uh, over that, that period. I was still thinking we should be able to manage a draw at Dortmund. There's like three weeks in between the first and second leg. When when you t- think about the, the Champions League first knockout round, it's not like, like it is later in the rounds where you play midweek one week and then come back and play each other again the next. So there, there's some time and games in the league to, you know, sort out some of the... the the growing pains of adding all these new players to the squad. So I thought we could manage a draw at Dortmund, play a couple of league games against uh, weaker opposition like uh, Southampton and Leeds coming up, and then, you know, win the second leg. Now, I, I, even with the loss, I still feel like we can come back and win the second leg. I, I think that's still, that those circumstances are still in place for Chelsea to improve over these next couple of games. But but I, I, I've got to say, dude, it's. I don't see Chelsea scoring like more than once in a lot of games coming up. You know, like this same thing happened against West Ham over the Shout weekend. Shout out to my dad, Alex. And he's going to be at the game. He's going to be at that. Right, well, hopefully at that he's a good Dortmund luck away game. Um, but yeah, I. I mean, I. I think you guys could win it, Alex. I feel like you guys. I would take a lot of hope from you guys for the performance because you could have scored three or four goals in that game. I don't feel like Chelsea's had a performance where you could have scored three or four goals under Potter yet. So I think this was my first time. Uh, the the West Ham game. We looked really good in the first half, opening like 20 well, minutes. Well, this was my first like, time that you, that you looked... two goals chalked you off looked, for offside. You looked decent in the first half, but I thought you looked... I mean, from the highlights, you guys looked even better in the second half. So, you know... It, you got you guys had like four like four or five chances in the first half and like ten in the second half. So, I mean, this is the first time that I think Chelsea had full output during the entire game. I think under Potter you've had good halves, but there's been a drop off, you know, very clearly in either usually the second half of games for Chelsea where you've either given up leads um, and your energy's dropped off or you haven't looked as good. So, 
I think I think there's positives to take for you guys. Um, I think in the league, you know, you just got to use the the league to, to build up your your players for next season. Figure out who's going to be there next year, and I think you still have a chance in the Champions League right now. You know, it's clear that uh, there aren't many great teams in the Champions League this season, and it's kind of up for grabs. So. I think you guys could. I, I do want to bring in before we move on from Chelsea. I do want to bring in our uh, tweet of the week at Kyle underscore work, who is a, a frequent listener of the pod. Shout out to him. Uh, he was responding to one of my frustrated Chelsea tweets over the weekend during the West Ham game, uh, saying that uh, Tuchel has this squad in top six, he believes. Uh, and Bowley saw how changing managers like underwear worked for previous uh, regime and thought it would work here. Massive mistake, in his opinion. Uh, someone else will be in charge next season, and then ask the question uh, about Pochettino. I, 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 I think I responded to this uh, at the time, but I did just want to bring it up again. I really don't think we can say that uh, Todd Bowley and the, the rest of the new ownership at Chelsea are sort of emulating Abramovich by what they did with Potter. I think it kind of seemed that way because it was so soon after the season started that they fired uh, Tuchel. But I think it was mainly just a uh, a way of like stamping their authority on the, the new club that they just purchased. Tuchel wasn't you know cooperating or coordinating with the, the rest of the new ownership about bringing in new players over the summer to the degree that they wanted. So they wanted to bring someone who in that would, you know, work with them a little bit more. And I think they've invested so much into not just, you know, getting Potter away from Brighton, but also bringing all of his staff, a bunch of his recruitment staff and bringing in uh, Paul Winstanley from Brighton uh, as part of the There's uh, absolutely new executive no team chance that Graham Potter gets team. fired this season. No chance. Yeah, but he's saying that there's no chance that Potter sees it past oh. this season. Now, if we don't improve at all... Maybe no, I just I, I just, just think they've it. invested so much that it, it, he's yeah, gotten this season and next season. I think that they to, to I think stay they'll let the him exactly. I think they'll give him next season, um, let him have a go at it because this is this is the first time Potter's ever been at a job like this, right? I mean, he's had kind of a meteoric rise from before Brighton. He was at Swansea, uh, but before that, he was at. Uh, Ostersund. Uh, that's in yeah, Norway I, I, that's like, where I thought. For like eight but, years. Uh, so going from there to Swansea to Brighton to Chelsea is, I mean, it's a huge leap. And he, he didn't win anything at Brighton to kind of, you know, yeah, he had his team playing well and he had, you know, recruited some great talent into the team, made some great buys and sells. But you can't say Potter. I mean, Potter didn't get them European football. He didn't, you know, he didn't make a good FA Cup run. He didn't make. So for me, it was maybe a little bit early. Yeah, he, did, he did make a good FA Cup run. He he did make a good, he got to the semifinals. Right, but but I don't I think it was a little bit early for Chelsea to be going out and getting someone like Potter. But if you do go get someone like Potter, you have to give him time. I mean, you you, ha, you look right. at someone like Arteta, right? And it was it might have been the same case with Arsenal, right? We might have gone and gotten Arteta too early, right? Because it took a couple of years. I know Arteta won the FA Cup when he came in off the bat, but that was during COVID. There's an asterisk around that, you know, a little bit fluky. Uh, anyone who won cups that season. Fluky doesn't count asterisk. Fuck you, dude. Um, but uh, <laughs> with Arteta, it took a couple seasons. You know, we, we had a couple of eighth place finishes. You know, we had a top four choke. And now this season, it looks like, you know, we're probably going to get Champions League this year. And uh, 
you know, things have things have improved. You know, we're playing a lot better. We got a lot of the toxic. I think it'll be the same with Chelsea. I think Chelsea need time to improve the squad. You need time to get out some of these toxic players who've been there for a long time who don't want to be there anymore. Um, I think you got to thin out the squad. You have way too many players right now. And when you have that many players in your squad, just like not just bogging down, like it bogs everything down, right? Like overall, like everyone... Because too much competition is not a good thing. Like in the sense that, like, no, I don't think anyone really knows who's going to be playing every week right now, um, or if they're going to be playing their next season. I mean, there's a few players who are Modric, Betty, you know, the new players. They know that, but from the old players, I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty. And until that's all sorted out, I don't think Chelsea's going to be like harmonious and be able to like move forward as a club completely. I think it's just going to be a lot of this like, oh, we looked good here. We looked good over there. And oh, what the well, we looked like shit here. We looked like shit there. And until next season, basically, when that all gets sorted out, um, I don't think we're going to. I mean, you'll have little spurts of form here and there. But uh, and let me just finish this out by saying if Todd Bowley was emulating Roman Abramovich uh, by firing managers too soon, then he would have done it already to Potter because. Javier, you sent me the like list of results. I mean, like Chelsea have had like recently under Potter. Since we returned from the World Cup, we've only won two games. They've they've both been at home against Bournemouth and Crystal Ugh, Palace. That's uh, uh, that's we, bad. We've had draws. We've had draws at Nottingham Forest, at Liverpool, home to Fulham, uh, at West Ham, and we've lost to Manchester City twice in the league and FA Cup, and uh, Fulham away in the league. And before that, we had something like four losses in a row in the league going into the World Cup break. So if Todd Bowley was as, uh, you know, cutthroat with his managers as uh, Roman Abramovich oh, like, Abramovich would have fired, past, Bo- yeah, Potter would have been, been out long yeah. ago. He would have been out ages ago. So let's finish up uh, this today just uh, talking about Tottenham because since we last discussed them, they've fallen even deeper into a pit of despair they, uh, they they lost in the Champions League as well, away at AC Milan. I didn't get to, to watch that game, but uh, that loss uh, followed up a 4-1 demolition at Leicester. Where All right, Alex, 4-1. I want you to apologize. Apologize to Kalechi. Apologize to me. I, I didn't say shit. I didn't you say said, anything Javier, you always I'm do this when he, he scores a you goal. You do this every time. He, I'm right, saying, but he, he gets said, a goal and an assist every time in the next Iannaccio game. Does well. But I was right. Like, he, like you always... But Javier, you never mention him when he does nothing for like nine out of the 12 months of the season. And then like the two or three months he plays well, you're just like, ah, he's always been my favorite player ever since he was no, at Manchester City. He needed City. his full team. You know, he got Madison and Barnes and all of them back into the team. So finally, Leicester are back. But I, I mean, you're right, Alex. I don't. What's going on with Tottenham? I don't. Uh, they're, Bet, they, well, they lost I, Bet I think we can start with the yeah, injuries. They lost Betancourt to an ACL. He's out for the season. That's top four for me, for for them. Yeah, I think even with him, uh, they still were dealing with, uh, this was their first game that they were dealing with an injury to Hugo Lloris, who, let me check on how long he's out for, but I think that's going to be an extended injury as well. The the goalie had uh, a lot to do with the, you know, he's, he's, he had a lot to do with the four goals. And with the with the goal against um, Loris is out until April as oh well. Oh my God! Yeah, I was going to say, and even the the goal against AC Milan. I mean, the the who's that goalie that they had in goal? J- J- John Lobley. They had uh, they had Forster in goal against AC Milan. Oh, Forster. Okay, uh, I thought they had Fraser Forster, the former Southampton goalkeeper. The you know the the big fuck. 
six foot seven uh, big fuck. He's Lloris's replacement. He's started these two games since Lloris went down with the injury against Manchester City. It's the combination of the getting the big result against Manchester City and then following that up with like two pretty bad results. The 4-1 especially is really, really bad. They did something similar to this last season and, and Conte was manager then as well where they beat Manchester City 3-2 at the Etihad with like a late goal from Harry Kane. And then they followed that up with a 1-0 loss away at Burnley, who ended up getting relegated. So even Conte has not been able to exercise these Spursy demons from them. And, you know, you can you can blame the injuries. I think that is fair. They do have very significant injuries to key parts in the team. But even the, the new players that they've brought in, like Pedro Porro from uh, Sporting Lisbon, had a horrific debut against against Leicester. Leicester ran absolutely riot in that game. Scored three goals in, in the first half after uh, they were down 1-0 to Tottenham. And then, you know, could have had two or three more on top of the, the fourth that they got in the second half. Uh, it's it's not looking good for Tottenham. I, I definitely agree with you that uh, top four is uh, completely off the table now. You know, un- unless Newcastle suddenly, you know, turned to complete shit, which... Hasn't happened. Newcastle's worst results this season well, have you know usually ended up with them Bournemouth, drawing games. You know, again, do they, just, they keep yeah, getting but I'm these saying draws. When, when Newcastle play badly, they draw games. When Tottenham play badly, they lose four one at at Leicester. So that's fair. There's or different levels to Mil- you know a terrible you know AC Milan team who was on awful form. I mean, I I think it's going to be the end of Antonio Conte at Tottenham. I think Tottenham are going to need someone else behind the helm. I think if Tottenham go out of Champions League. And they keep getting bad results like this. I would fire Conte, and I would try to bring in the next manager um, and give him a little you bit of time. You won't need to. You won't need to fire yeah, Conte. Conte will leave. No, he'll he'll, <laughs> he'll happily yeah, leave. I mean, I'm sh- if they get knocked out of Champions League and uh, the English media starts, you know, yelling at him at press conferences, you know, he's going to go berserk. So, um, but I don't think you can blame Conte for this at this point. No, it's just like, the this way has Tottenham happened is. under so many Spurs right. managers, like. It's not his fault, you know. He, but 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 Conte has been backed, you know. The Conte's bought a bunch of players, you know. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't been complaining that he hasn't been getting the players or that he hasn't been getting the signings, has he? he yes, he has. He he always he always is Javier. Conte is never not complaining about signings, and you know, I'm not saying that's right either, but. He he's gotten a a degree of support, but I. I think they needed to basically like remake the entire team. And well, they got a I, I they got a decent game happened. that they usually you know do really well in. They have West Ham at home. Spurs usually score a few goals in that. Let's see if they can get back on track. If they don't get like a convincing win against West Ham at home, then I'd be very very worried for them. Yeah, that's uh, part of like a a good group of games coming up this weekend. Uh, that Spurs West Ham game will be Sunday at eleven thirty a.m. Uh, another game on Sunday that I think is probably the game of the weekend is Manchester United versus Leicester at 9 a.m. on Sunday. You know, Leicester have scored four goals in each of their last two league games against uh, Tottenham and Aston Villa before that. Manchester United, you know, everyone knows they're they're playing pretty well at the moment. Uh, they just beat Leeds uh, 2-0 away over last weekend. Speaking of Manchester United. And they'll United, play Barcelona, Barcelona over this weekend. Today. today. Well, sorry, today, Thursday. Today, yeah. Uh, so uh, who would ever thought Man United Barcelona in, in the, Europa the Europa League? League. Yeah. <laughs> also in the first round of Europa League, I thought United had a bye. Did they not win their group? 
No, Real Sociedad beat United um, in the first game. Honestly, that's brutal. And having a two-leg tie with Barcelona in like in Europa League early on like this without like you know other teams like Newcastle and Arsenal don't have Europe European football right now. Uh, I mean Newcastle doesn't at all, but it, that that could that could not like derail them. But I, you know that that's two huge games that they have to play. You know in the middle of the season right now that other teams don't. So that could be a big deal for Manchester United here. What, what do you think? What do you think of United now? I mean Arsenal losing. Definitely puts United in the title race now. Now they're only five points off the top of the table, right? You got to say they're in the race if they keep winning I, I, like yeah, this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to wait until after this uh, this Leicester game because of how well Leicester are playing. And I mean, they you know, went they ahead and beat Casemiro. Manchester City, right? If they go ahead and beat Leicester and they, you know, if they get another result against Man City, you know, they've beaten us this season. I know that we don't have to play them again, thankfully. Um, you know, we ended up splitting one one. But I, I think I think United have played Manchester City twice as well. They, they, they beat them in the home game and got destroyed by Holland in the, in the first right, game the in the first one. half of the yeah, season. You're right. Um, but yeah, so but that Leicester uh, Manchester United game is going to be excellent on Sunday. A couple others I, I do feel like we have to mention Aston Villa Arsenal. I feel like you guys should you know write the ship in that oh, one. I hope so. Seven thirty a.m. game on, not, on Saturday. Uh, you know, I hope so. I'm not sh- not super confident and right then, now, but. And then a surprising top half clash between Brighton, Brighton and Fulham. Fulham. Should be a great game. Saturday at 10 a.m. I would. It's on Peacock, but if you have Peacock, definitely uh, keep an eye on that one. Uh, then we've got some relegation six pointers in Everton Leeds. Oh, what a at massive game this is! Everton Leeds. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the type of game where Everton win this game. You know, Leeds are still managerless, right? I don't think that they've replaced Jesse Marsh yet. Do we have any news Not on yet, that, Alex? No. Um, but nope. uh, yeah, I mean, Sean Dyche, Everton are flying right now. I, you know, I, I kind of think that eh, flying is strong. They they lost at Liverpool. <laughs> sure, <laughs> they lost at Liverpool, but you know they look decent again in that game, and I think Everton can get a result here against Leeds, and it would it would really boost their chances of uh, getting out of this relegation fight. Or you know, you know I'm sure they're going to be in it to the end of the season, but of just you know, big boost to them and and Leeds. They're looking like they're going to be one of the favorites for the drop right now because I don't know what the hell's going on over there. Please, God. Please, God. Uh, and then I'm not sure if we can call this a relegation six-pointer anymore because Wolves have kind of you know turned it around under Lopetegui. But they're going to be playing Bournemouth during that 10 a.m. time slot this on Saturday. This is the Saturday. type of game Wolves win it. You know, just just keep Bournemouth down, right? If they don't, if they get a, if Bournemouth somehow get like a surprise win or draw here, you know, suck Wolves back in. So just. Wolves players should be really up for that game. And then uh, the final game on Saturday, 12.30 p.m., will be Newcastle hosting Liverpool. Ooh, Liverpool are going to be trying to prove that they are actually back after they beat Everton 2-0, and uh, Cody Gakpo got on the score sheet for the first time for his new club. Darwin actually but This is going to be good, a Alex? tough away test. Really, really tough away test for them. Newcastle are not easy to beat away from home. I think even a draw for Liverpool would be an excellent result uh, at this point of the season. I think Yota Firmino... Van Dyke are all back in training. Van Dyke was on the bench for the last game. You know, Liverpool are uh, starting to get healthy again. And when Liverpool are healthy again, I think there's still like they, there's the quality in there for easily, you know, a top four side at least. You know, this was the team that's been challenging Manchester City for the title for the last five years. And I don't think that quality and all that just goes away out the window. So I think 
the midfield is still a big problem for Liverpool. You know, Favinho, Bacetic, how do you say his name? Bacetic? Bacetic, I think. He's looked good. Uh, I don't know. He's if, looked very good, yeah. yeah. He's, he's been probably the one bright spot, bright spot in Liverpool's season, I would say, right? Because other than like, you know, maybe getting... You know, Darwin Nunez is growing pains. Maybe this is the wash season for him. I'm sure eventually he's going to come good and he's going to score a shitload of goals for Liverpool. You know, he had an amazing uh, run and pass for that uh, that first solid goal um, this last weekend. And, you know, for once he wasn't missing a glutton of chances, tappins, you know. He was just... Uh, he, he played really, really well, worked hard and created chances. And, you know, he's going to get goals. And I think for Liverpool, it's just, it's going to be, it's a matter of time. You know, Gakpo's off the score sheet. Liverpool had a couple of games in hand. They're only nine points off Newcastle. I mean, it's not ridiculous. If they, they have a game in hand, they win their game in hand. They're six points off Newcastle. I think they're still like outside, complete outside shots for top four. But if, if, if Liverpool... Mm, if, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But if, you know, players like Gakpo and... and well, any argument you would have to make for them getting into the top four would have to start with them beating Newcastle away this weekend. So I was about to say this is we'll the game. They yeah, they, they've got to beat. They've got to beat Newcastle if they want to do it. You know, this is the type of game where if they win this, you know, suddenly Newcastle don't have that big of a gap, aren't feeling as confident, and they can get sucked in. You know, because if Spurs get a result, they'll jump Newcastle back into top four. Brighton and Fulham, Brentford, they're all right behind. They're all only a few point. You know five, six points behind. So I know that these teams aren't going to make top four, but, you know, they keep winning. They keep doing well. Who knows? Right now, it's looking like both Brighton, Fulham, and Brentford are all going to get around 60 points, which would be incredible if that's the case because there'd be a lot of teams around 50, you know, 58 to 60 points, um, which is generally not the case. So, all right, well, let's close things up on uh, on that. Uh, a very interesting week of games ahead in the Premier League. No top six uh, or traditional top six clashes, but still plenty of interesting games. If you want to get involved with uh, our tweet or correspondence of the week, uh, you can tweet at us, at ASMOS92 for me, uh, or at JavierRev9 for Javier on Twitter, and at GoSkullPod for the podcast socials. If you're more old school, you can send an email to ghostgoalpod at gmail.com. I usually check that uh, once a week before we record just to uh, see uh, if any correspondence has come in. And, uh, you know, we'll give you a shout out and uh, answer whatever uh, question or, or topic you bring up. So, Javier, thank you for being on this one. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please drop a rating and review. That helps new listeners to find the pod. And we always appreciate it anytime you guys can uh, help us grow this thing. Enjoy the games this weekend, and until next time, see you.